What can Jazz fans expect from their rookies both now and in the future? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Locked On Jazz. I'm not David Locke, I'm Leif Tulane. Excited to be back with you for some more Locked On Jazz. And I'm excited to talk to you about some basketball. I've missed basketball. It's looming. And you guys know me. I'm a lifelong jazz fan who's a credentialed NBA draft analyst for Locked On NBA Big Board, attendee of the 2023 Combine, statistician and broadcast assistant for the Utah Jazz. And I'll be there again this year, lover of geeky numbers. And it may be usual for you guys to have that with David Locke here, but don't don't get too comfortable with me here. I'll, I'll get you with some stats as well. And we're going to talk about the NBA draft today with my my good friend Richard Stamen, aka Mavs Draft, as the Jazz pick their three rookies. We've talked to you about them, but now what are some feasible expectation? Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen each and every day. And remember, Locked On Jazz is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked On. Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is comment anything below. And today's question, if you guys, you can respond to anything, but the question that I've put on there is how many points and minutes per game do you expect for Keontae George this season? All right. Today's show is sponsored by Jace Medical. And we'll talk to you about the Jace case. I already got mine. And let's let's just kind of introduce my guy, Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft. We were at the Combine together, and you guys have heard him on this show once or twice but Richard and I are going to break down the rookies. First segment's going to be Keontae George, who looked to ink his his way into this rotation. Second on Hendricks. And third on Bryce Sensible, what they can bring as players, where we had them rated, and what our actual expectations both in the near future and in the and in the long-term future of the Utah Jazz are. So let's dive right in. Richard, how are you? I'm good. It's good to be back. Uh, you know, I used to listen to this show got back in college like in 2016 so it's always really you know uh i don't know the right word but it's really cool being on here after listening all those years yeah it's it's uh fun for me as well i i was listening to locked on jazz as like an 11 year old uh way back in the day and and i'm not before the locked on network was happening so it's really fun to be the host it's i'm always honored to be with you guys but we don't want to talk about our nostalgia we're going to tell you about keontae george here so Let's just let's dive right into this. Sensational in the summer league. Like we can all agree with that. And his numbers were comparable to stars. So let's talk about what that actually means. Because if you were to look at the Jazz's recent rookies, one stood out, and that was in 2017. Donovan Mitchell put up significant numbers. And Keontae George's numbers before his ankle injury were, uh, was actually better than Donovan Mitchell. Do you buy there's a number threshold that if surpassed, you are a star? Somewhat, um, I, I think that depends almost on how much you trust the the numbers game, right? Like some of it, I think, does have to do with the eye test, especially at such a young age. I go back and forth. I think it's very circumstantial, as generic of an answer as that is. I, I agree with you. I, I think, and, and one point to preface this, and I know Richard understood it this way, but for you, those of you listening, you can point out other players had better stats, but I'm saying of rookies. And so that that's why it's really important because you know – if a dude's a dude, you can usually tell um, if they're a rookie. Um, and, and there have been exceptions where players have been poor in the summer league and have been exceptional in the rookie season. It happens, but this is usually a very good indicator. We can all agree with that. So Keontae George, before the ankle injury, was the best rookie in summer league, I think it's fair to say. And we're going to talk to you guys about how much does that mean and how, how realistic is 
that performance when compared to the NBA regular season. So the Jazz don't necessarily have a point guard right now, but they do have a log jam in front of him. I, I know that's counterintuitive, but I think it's true. Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker, even Chris Dunn. How how does Keontae George infiltrate this uh, this log jam? Because I don't think it's necessarily fair to expect him to be the starter right away. I've told Jazz fans who've listened to this show before, the everydayers know that I, I said I expect the starting point guard to be Colin Sexton. Sexton's being paid $18 million a year. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is north of $10 million. He's about $12 million this year. And I'm not saying that, that those are the future pieces, but I just don't expect you to start a rookie when you've, you've got that much indebted to two guys in front. Is that the read you're getting as well? Yeah, and especially early on, I highly doubt Keontae George is going to be starting. I think the way he can put himself in that situation, though, is, I mean, if you just look at how he did at the beginning of, like, non-conference, right? He had almost three and a half assists a game while not being the primary. Honestly, at times, not even the secondary creator, too. There were a lot of flashes of being able to make good reads with the ball in his hands quickly. I think the best way for him to stand out while scoring would be, you know, it's a big popping area, but like Colin Sexton can play a similar role, right? As the scoring guard for him, it's really, can he be that true combo guard? I think that's his best way to increase his minutes is simply just maximize the playmaking, show that what he did in non-conference, even though it was against inferior competition, we still saw enough flashes of it throughout the year in the Big 12. I think that that is where he has to hang his hat on. I'm with you. I think the Jazz want him to be a point guard. He wants to be a point guard. We even saw that a concerted effort at his pro day that were drills very like oriented to being a point guard. He was passing with his offhand, doing crossovers, running pick and roll. We saw this in the summer league. I've made this comment numerous times, both on here and on Locked on NBA Big Board, where you could see him thinking through the game this first half of his first game. And, and it was like, okay, Keontae, just play basketball. Next game dynamite goes to Las Vegas after playing in the Salt Lake one absolutely dominant through two games third game rolls his ankle uh I I think they're gonna have him play the point guard but they're also gonna have him play with a veteran I could see him playing with Chris Dunn who will compensate for his deficiencies defensively I won't say he's gonna be bad I just think Chris Dunn is such a good defender at least it allows for Kenta George to focus on what he can do most effectively early on in his career which is going to be offense uh that that leads me to my next question so I don't think he infiltrates the log jam and becomes the starter right away. I think that would be pretty impressive. Is there a way that you can see him becoming a 20 minute a game player off the bench? Yeah, I, I was, I was actually going to answer your original question that you posed for the comments, which is how many minutes do you expect him to play? And that was really the line of where guys did and didn't play last year because you had uh Taylor Norton Tucker was like right at 20. Oche Baji was 20 and a half. And that was with Agbaji barely playing at the beginning of the year. And I think that same path is probably likely for Keontae. Oche didn't become a regular. It's funny. He played every single game in the 2023 portion of the year. Played, let's see, a handful of games in the 2022 portion. Really like 15 because his first game of the year he played 50 seconds. So I think something like that is kind of the model of just the minutes. Obviously him and Oche Agbaji, they're not the same player at all. But... I think that model of the rookie easing into the rotation, knowing there are going to be some learning curves, that's the expectation. Who knows what happens with training training camp preseason? Even early in the year, he could have a role where, hey, he's suddenly really efficient, which he wasn't much at Baylor. 
that's a path in. Yeah, I think I think it's probably under twenty because, and I'll preface it with this: barring significant injury and barring trade, I think it'll be under twenty because I think there's too many mouths to feed, and I think the Jazz will also play a lot of positionless basketball or close to positionless basketball in which Jordan Clarkson takes a lot of reps as the ball handler. Lowry Markin brings the ball up, and so Keontae George having a particular position that he wants to play and the jazz wants him to play, I think will be put on the back burner, allow him to develop. I don't know if that means he goes to the G league like they did with Agbaji. So that's the one point of devil's advocate is Agbaji's minutes per game are inflated. But if you were to take total minutes, it'd be lower because he played a lot of G league minutes in 2022, as opposed to the 2023 flip of the calendar. Um, we're going to, we're going to talk about this in a future episode. So I'll tease it a little bit here and I'll tease it again at the end. We're going to talk about where we would redraft him in a way too early uh, redraft in the next episode. We're going to talk about what level of tiers of stardom there are. But let me let me ask this, because we expect him to exceed where his draft spot at 16. Where where in his career path, how many seasons in does it take for Keontae George to be a starter, assuming no like blockbuster trade? And then and how soon can he be like a true, true? Hey, this is the point guard of the Utah Jazz and he's a problem. Ideally, I think if you're talking about him outperforming his draft position, I think year two, you want him to be a starter. I think the realistic path is year three, just because I don't know how, just looking at the roster, I don't know how you can solve the the log jam that quickly. Uh, I think there's just too much going on where, yeah, nobody's that great that's in front of him, but at the same time, none of them are that easy to just say, See ya. It's like, it's a lot easier. Like it's not 2k, right? It's a lot easier to say, Oh, I'll just trade him for a second round pick when the other team may not want that kind of thing for some of these guys in front of them. Not saying that's like their value, but you know, that kind of just is how to look at it. I think really it's just comes down to if his efficiency and playmaking are better than we've we're expecting. He's going to be a starter by year two. It's just going to be hard to keep off the court. It's that simple. And, and just think, to re Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No. Uh, I was just going to say, I think year three, though, is when we see him be a 60-plus game starter. Yeah, I, I outlined a similar path back when I was on Locked On last time uh, after the Summer League, and I was like, well, pump your brakes. Like, he's been awesome, and I'm all for it. And, but there's a difference right now in, in the league, and there's also a, a learning curve in which I think he'll need to acclimate. Uh, let's just really quickly touch on where you had him entering the draft and and then talk about the skill set that's obviously changed, like though he's proven he wants to be a point guard and then just give me a prediction of, so you said around 20 points per game. What's I'm oh, sorry, 20 minutes per game. What's your points per game projection? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think he's, he's not going to have crazy volume. I think he stays within single digits, probably goes to, I'd say eight or nine points a game, just because the minutes won't be super heavy. I think per 36, he's going to look nice. The real question for me, I, I do think he could flirt with the double digits it's all going to depend on how efficient of a shot maker he is. If he's shooting 39%, there's zero chance he's eclipsing double digits. If he's at 45 to 48, 49, 50, we're talking about a guy that's averaging 10 points a game off the bench. And, you know, you could almost point to, obviously the volume wouldn't be the same, but you could almost point to say Benedict Matherin as somebody who you look at just being a super efficient rookie plays his role kind of unexpected with how quickly he turns into an efficient player. I think that would be the ideal outcome for year one. And I personally had Keontae. I was a little bit low on him simply because of the efficiency, the defense, the fact that he was a weirdly two halves player. And I know there were some injuries, but 
uh, even the decline start started right as the big 12 play started, I had him 25th. So for me, that was the upside range. There was Max Lewis, there's Derek Lively, Keontae George, Nick Smith, Ryan repair that, that kind of range of just pure upside guys. I don't think he's, I, I think Utah was such a good spot and landing spot matters with that stuff. I think Utah was a great spot for him. I, I think Utah is honestly incredible for player development. I'm not just saying that because I'm on a jazz podcast and I'm wearing a Donovan Mitchell shirt, but I do think that it really is a spot where they know how to get the most out of their players. And that is exactly what Keontae George needs. Yeah. I, I had him at 11 and, and I even had him a bit lower because I, I was worried having seen him play at Baylor against Creighton and Baylor against UC Santa Barbara. But then I saw him at the combine. I thought he shot the best of any of the workouts we went to. And I remember making that point to you. I was like, man, he's shooting the lights out. And Richard and I were on the floor um, sitting on some seats and I was like, okay, he's trying to play point guard, but if he shoots like that, he's going to skyrocket up boards. And he actually didn't get picked very highly, but I think some people were impressed. We are going to talk about the Jazz's ninth pick, actually. I know it's reverse order, but I think we, after the summer league, we saw a lot of Keontae George. We didn't see much of Taylor Hendricks. So coming up next, we're going to give you our short-term and long-term expectations for Taylor Hendricks. But first, a word from Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form and in some cases jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions. Doctor created, doctor recommended. I already got my Jace case. It came in a beautiful uh, teal green uh, case and, and I opened it up and there were those five medications. And if I'm sick at any point, I can use the medication supplied by Jace case, talk to my parents who are both physicians or, or, or physicians provided by Jace medical and take care of myself. And it's better to be prepared than not to be. You don't want to be caught unprepared. So get yourself a Jace case. Jace medical is simple. You go online, you fill out a form and then you get a prescription life's great life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to a medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout. That's jacemedical.com. That's jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. And let me also tell you about Intercap Lending. You've been listening to this show. You know all about Intercap Lending. It's one of the largest lending companies. It's differently responsive. It is so able to accommodate your needs. And you think, oh, well, maybe they're just doing this because they're small and they need people. No, it's, it's enormous. It's a direct issuer. 44 states are, are taken care of by Intercap Lending, not just Utah, despite our, our talking about them. And they service your own loan. You build long-term relationships. It's better for the consumer. It's better for uh, Intercap Lending. If you provide, you know, kind interactions with them and they'll take care of you just as well. Steve Carter is our personal loan officer for Locked On Jazz. Call him at 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-28. Make sure you guys let him know that you're Locked On Jazz listeners and you'll get a corporate discount. So that's a big time deal. And Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. All righty, welcome back to Locked on Jazz. Richard Stamen, a.k.a. Mavs Draft, and I are big draft geeks, but we love we love basketball in general, and, and I think we have a pretty good read on what the NBA prioritizes for rookies, how they treat their rookies in terms of, what, like, 
are you going to be thrust right into the action because you're a top 10 pick? Many would say yes, but the Jazz are in a unique situation where they were the ninth pick, but they overachieved and they got a player in the trade who previously averaged 22 and 10 in John Collins, who plays the position that is the ninth pick. That's Taylor Hendricks. Taylor Hendricks, Jazz fans, as you know, did not play in the summer league. He was nursing a hamstring injury and they didn't want to force him into action without practicing. So is preseason important for him, Richard? Uh, it has to be. I mean, a guy who didn't, we didn't see a ton of. I think his game is going to be something that it's, it's just repetition. Like his, his skill set is so translatable that he's not somebody who's going to get hurt, I think, by the lack of just reps. I know it kind of contradicts it, but he's not somebody where it's like, okay, there's a decline in this area. It's simply getting shots up, playing defense. And just being intelligent. I, and I think that is something that could be picked up and dropped at any time back and forth without any drop off. I, I think I agree, but, but I have a little bit of a debate in my head and, and here's what it is. If you're a lottery picking of expectations, does that weigh on you? And then you do you press in, in the preseason when your team's actually got expectations, like the team has expectations too. So I've, I've outlined this for jazz fans before, and I'll, I'll put this, I, I, we didn't prep this, but I'll, I'll tell Richard, I kind of think Hendricks is going to play a lot of G league in 2023. And in 2024, he may be incorporated more into the lineup. And that's not to say, Oh, he's a bust because he was the ninth pick and he's in the G league. No, I, I think the jazz are in a weird spot in which they expect to contend and be a playoff playoff contenders uh, maybe not championship contenders yet, but team that expects to be in the playoffs and they have a player who's averaged 22 and 10 in the NBA and John Collins occupying that power forward spot. They also have Kelly Olynyk playing off of the bench, occupying front court spots and Hendricks plays the four and the five. He could play as a weak side rim protector. He could play as in a pinch as, as the rim protector. He spaces the floor. So I, I think these are what he does really well is prioritized by the NBA but the jazz have less of a need for it because Collins is that athlete that you would compare to Hendricks and Olenek's the shooter. And so I, I think he's a little pinched for space. Obviously Walker Kessler mans the middle and Lowry Markkinen is the star of the team. So I, I think he may get an unfair rep. If people are doing like redrafts, um, where are you going to take him? Like he's the ninth pick. I think he could warrant that in a, in a couple of years. You want him starting by year three along with Keontae George. So with all that said, what's your expectation for this season? Then give me a long-term expectations as well for Taylor Hendricks. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, not having, or excuse me, getting John Collins. And also they added Omer Yurtseven, who is another big in that mix, who, you know, he can hit some mid-range jumpers too. And I think he's somebody that, uh, or sorry, Hendricks is somebody though that, like you said, got hurt by the overall moves that Utah did after the draft. So I, I think I agree with you. He'll probably come off the bench. There's a good chance he'll get burned in the G League. How he accepts that, I think, is going to be very telling if he embraces it and says, all right, I know I can get more run here, and this will help me be better next year in the NBA or tomorrow in the NBA. I think that's, that's overall the most important thing, and none of us will ever know about that unless, you know, stuff really hits the fan or something, But which I don't expect. But I think with this year – you just want him to be efficient in the minutes, right? Like he's an efficient player, so it's not an unrealistic expectation. Can he play defense as needed? How does he adapt? What positions is he guarding? Is it truly the one through five that was as advertised? And how quickly does his jump shooting translate? Because three-point shooting is hard to get 
translating in the NBA because of the length that you have to go against on shot contests. So I think how quickly that translate will be really big. I think what happens is likely similar to Agbaji in which he plays in the G League and he plays an expanded role and he may struggle numerically or like field goal percentage, but counting stats will be good. And then in the NBA, he'll be like at a loss for rhythm initially and be like, oh man, I should be a three-point shooter. You saw Agbaji really struggle early in the year shooting the three. And then by the end of the year, he was one of the better shooters on the jazz and one of the better shooters as a catch and shoot two-way wing. And I think Taylor Hendricks can have a similar role to that. It just depends how much time is provided via trades, via injuries. And I, I think for I made this case that if, if he were to be in the G League, I think he'd take it better than a lot of rookies that are touted as highly as he was because he went to UCF. He wasn't expecting to be a lottery pick like some guy who went to Duke or Kentucky. And I, I think this may help him. He'll be embraced that. I don't know that much about it in terms of his personality. I've never met him, but it, it's something that I, I have more optimism about than I would in terms of typical freshman picks number nine. Uh, with that said, what are your expectations by year three? I would like to see him be the starter. Uh, it depends on the John Collins, just transformation, how good he is. And if he becomes his old self, which honestly, that was a, a borderline all NBA guy averaging 20, what 20 10 and 5 almost on good efficiencies facing the floor passable defense it really depends on that if john collins stays the john collins he's been in atlanta there's no reason taylor hendrick shouldn't be the starter and honestly i think that would be the perfect complimentary piece i, I know it's tough with lowry market in there too like but i do think that both he and lowry are just you can play the jumbo three like they're both that good it, it's going to be, you know, depends on the matchup, who's the three and the four. But I really do think you could have a, have a very tall front court. And I say this is somebody who watches the Magic a ton who did this. You could have a 6'10", Taylor Hendricks. Uh, what is Markinen 6'10", 6'11", actually? Seven, seven might foot. Be seven feet, yeah. You could have Markinen and then Walker Kessler is what, 7'1", seven, 7'2"? Seven, like, you could really have this lineup, though, where you have three 6'10 guys. And also the Cavs did this a the year The Jazz did it ago. last year with Markinen. And exactly, like this isn't uh, a with Olenek and marketing. Right. So I do think that this is something that if you wanted to draw up how to do that as fluidly as possible with this roster and just throw out John Collins for a second here, that's probably the best way. And I, I really do think that would yield a lot of good results just because all of them do something different from each other in different ways. And even in, sorry, even if there is overlap, they do things different ways, right? Marketing scores differently than Hendricks obviously walker kessler plays defense better than the others things like that yeah i'm with you personally i think john collins is going to be one of the more improved players in the nba not because he's going to get that much better i just think it's the pastures greener in utah than it was in atlanta for him and we'll, we'll talk about that in another podcast i'm i'm talking to a couple contacts who who have been in the coaching ranks before and i want to see their thoughts on who could be x factors for this team and i expect john collins to be one of those answers so stay tuned for more episodes like that and we're going to talk about the jazz's final rookie who we also haven't seen but if you were to look just numerically at this guy you'd be like man how did we get him at 28 and you may well be right so coming up next richard and i will talk about bryce sensabaugh but let me first tell you about fanduel fanduel i've used before it's pretty fun um it's nfl season right now the nba is just on the horizon but let's talk about the nfl dive into the nfl action and the season right now and nfl's 
number one sports book is FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Sounds pretty good to me. $5 and you get an extra 200 to play with and you can claim that money? Go for it. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, on that initial $5 bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. It's also baseball season for those of you who care. The playoffs are coming up shortly. I, I know a couple people that are that are diehard Cubs fans that are that are coming back to Utah and, and working, and they will they will be watching the the games. And I, I implore you guys, if you guys are baseball fans, fans of the NFL, maybe you want Puka Nakua, Utah product at BYU, and you saw him balling out recently, 25 catches in two games, and maybe the overs for you. So check out FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All righty, welcome back into Locked On Jazz. Leaf Tulane with you here, joined by Richard Stamen. We know our NBA draft. This guy was a bit of a mystery for the NBA draft. Bryce Sensabaugh floated as high as top 10 for some. Analytically, you'd say, wow, like he should be top 10. Then you watch him play a little bit, and he's a bit of a mystery. He had a bum knee at the end of the season for a poor Ohio State team. How much did that factor in? So let's start at the top with him. Where did you have him and just kind of break down strengths and weaknesses for Bryce Sensabaugh because he is a relatively unknown. Like Jazz fans probably know what he brings to the table. But, like, how high is his potential considering there were some people that are pretty well regarded in the scouting world that had him in the lottery? Yeah, I finished my final ranking had him 19th. I, at one point, had him as high as 10 because the off-the-dribble scoring is just that dynamic. Like, that is such a killer strength of his. And just overall scoring, uh, he's a fantastic shooter. He shot 40, what, 43%, I think, 40.5%. From three, eighty-three. He was he was forty-five percent on catch and shoot threes, which was better yeah. than pretty much everyone that was drafted, including Jet Howard, Grady Dick, yep. and all these guys who were regarded had, as the best shooters. And it was good volume. It wasn't. It wasn't like I know I said off the dribble scoring, but he he was he's a fantastic shooter. Like I just I really do think if you're looking for the pure upside swing of a guy who is a playoff scorer, it's Bryce Sensible. Now. With an NBA-ready body, you'd think he might be good at defense, but defense is actually, honestly, it's, it was a disaster at Ohio State. And I don't think it was because of the tools. The tools suggested he should be a good defender right away, but he was actually pretty poor just because he had so many lapses off-ball defensively. Um, you know, Some feel for the game concerns. I know that I've heard. I've, I go back and forth if I think that's the case. I think just a lot of it was effort. And sometimes when you're on a bad team, and you're doing so much on offense, this is any level, your defense is going to drop. So that could be the excuse. Now, how he comes back in a in the NBA where you really can't do that, especially when you're a rookie trying to make a name for yourself, you've got to be able to play defense. So if he's out there playing defense, he can be a good defender if he wants to be. He just chose not to be a good defender at Ohio State. So I think that's going to be his major swing skill in seeing the floor because we all know he can score at any spot on the floor. Can he also do it while getting back on defense, not taking the fifth best player on the court and making their life harder? Yeah, I made the comment right before the summer league started that I thought Bryce Sensabaugh would be one of the rookies who shined, thinking he would play in Las Vegas. Um, and I said I might have said that even before the Jazz Summer League uh, hosted here in Utah, just because I think he's such a gifted scorer that even in the convoluted mess that is Summer League, 
that he would shine. I said, I thought Keontae George would be good too. I just didn't realize how good, how dynamic he'd be at the point guard. Um, but Sensabaugh to me is a guy where uh, pre preseason is really going to be important for like in his limited repetitions. And maybe you get one game where there's a little bit more. How well does he shoot off the catch? How well does he defend? Cause you know, anyone who's not as good a defender uh, in the NBA and, and at a certain level is going to get picked on. I don't think he'll ever be a wing defender where you're going to say, well, you know what? He's such a good defender. I think it's just about managing how poor the defense is. It's all about relativity. All these dynamic wings in the NBA are, are what's making money. Like if you look at all the best contracts that have happened recently, those are some wings. So he's going to get scored on. It's just how easy he relinquishes uh, or how, how, how easily he relents. So to me, the question is just how well does he shoot? Because if he shoots really well, there's going to be a way. And he's not just like a Duncan Robinson who's going to fly off screens and shoot. Like he'll be a catch and shoot guy, but he also reminds me of like TJ Warren, a little bit of bully ball, like thicker body scorer who shoots the ball well. For those of you who don't know, TJ Warren in his sophomore year at NC State scored 24 and a half points per game in the ACC. TJ Warren in the NBA has been capable of fantastic spurts like the bubble. So, with all that said, the Jazz have aspirations to be a playoff team, and he's the 28th pick. What, like, I'm not trying to do this to temper Jazz fans' expectations. In fact, I would say it's this is probably optimistic. It's what, what role can he have, and what role do you think he will have, both in the near term, like the short term and the long term? I think he's going to be a guy, when you look at this year, especially the first, I'd say, 50 games, I'd be shocked if he's not, if he's honestly more than, hey, we're down 8 to 10. Uh, it's the third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever. Where this is our last, like, they're making their last push to to kind of, like, if, if they've missed four shots in a row, I can see just, you know, him being the next, the guy that's randomly in the game. Cause it happens a lot where we see these guys randomly pop up and they're in the game and they haven't played in two days or two weeks, excuse me. He could very well fit that. I don't think his playing time is going to be consistent. Uh, he was also injured, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the pre draft yeah. process. Knee and injury. And that's going to hold him back. I think the ideal outcome is honestly like this isn't even the finished product, but. The ideal scenario is next year you start seeing flashes where he's at a minimum like the last guy in the rotation or the first guy out, which that doesn't mean they never play. It also doesn't mean they play every game. And just kind of as a, a cross-reference, like like we've talked about, this position is loaded. So just kind of putting you know a Mavs draft, uh, putting a Mavs throwback here. About 10 years ago, the Mavs had this three – these three big men, and I know the names don't pop out or anything. You'll like some of them because college uh, names, they were very good in college, one of them, but uh, they balanced it perfectly. It was all matchup based. These three guys, they it would be two on one out kind of thing. And it was Brandon Wright, Samuel Dallenbear, and Dewan Blair. And each of them had their own unique strengths. And when they played, all depend on the matchups, uh, who's out there, what size they're going against, things like that. And I think that exact same thing is going to apply just on the opposite end of the spectrum for guards. I think you're going to see that with Keontae George, Bryce Sensabaugh, things like that, and next year. Yeah, I, I think Bryce Sensabaugh likely this year will be spot minutes. Do you think he plays G League and has the ball in his hands a lot? Because I think he could really light it up there if, if given the opportunity. Um, I, I just wonder about how well his athleticism translates in a league that I would say the G League's just as athletic as the NBA. I just think that yep. skill level is a little lesser. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the G league has so much talent. Like there's plenty of guys that should be on NBA teams, but if you're talking about Bryce sensible being like, I, I don't know about you. I think he's honestly like the embodiment of what the average G league player tries to be. Not all of them have the ability to be like him. I, I really do think he could pop there. I think it, that play style is made for him. And if he can't thrive there, then the jazz should kind of like, I think that's something he should thrive year one. Personally, there's a lot of decision-making stuff to go around. Like I said, there's, there were concerns this year about feel for the game. That's not going to magically get cured, but the skill set to win one-on-one, he should be winning one-on-one right away. I think I have that high of expectations for him just as a scorer. Will last question. Will he be able to score if it's the G league using his same game style? If he loses weight, which I think would help him defensively, can he still carve out the space and, and use his shoulders and, and, and the body, the wide frame to get to his spots? I think so. I mean, he's, he's strong. I think it's, that's what does it more than the weight, right? Like he knows how to use his body to his advantage. And sometimes, yeah, the weight does play a role, but I also think a lot of times that has to do with just pure strength. So I think he'll be fine. I I agree. I'm I'm eager to see him. I think I'll probably catch some stars games and, and try to see the rookies if they are there. Hopefully they're not, hopefully they're contributing. And that means the jazz really have a bright future and they already do, but it would be even more so. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, we we teased this a little bit. Thanks for making Locked On Jazz your first listen, and then tune in to hear more of this amazing guy and Rafael Barlow on Locked On NBA Big Board next. And then also tune in later this week for more Richard Stamen and I talking about the NBA draft. This, I think, will be a really fun one. You guys may not agree, so please hit us up in the comments. We're going to do an early redraft in regards to Keontae George and how high would we take Keontae George at this 2023 NBA draft, considering he probably was the best rookie overall in the summer league. I'm not saying we'd take him one, but I I think Richard and I are both going to compile our top 14. We're going to do the lottery and kind of argue back and forth why we take this person, how much faith we have. And of course, we're going to spend some time on the jazz guys, Keontae George, Taylor Hendricks, and maybe we'll toss in Bryce Sensible just to say, Hey, here's what we think. So thank you for listening. Thank you to Richard. And that'll do it for us on locked on jazz. Pleasure to be back with you guys.